Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another week of the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Ryan Wheeler with you once again. We had a great first week. Again, we update you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at least during the season, and uh, hopefully we'll keep up that kind of pace during the offseason as well, depending on what's happening with the Trailblazers news-wise. A mixed bag over the weekend on the road. Come from behind win at San Antonio, then dug a pretty big hole and not able to get fully out of it in the loss uh, at Charlotte yesterday, and now coming home to face the Los Angeles Clippers at Moda Center tomorrow. And uh, along those lines, that ties in with our guest today. He's now in his 14th season as a member of the Clippers broadcast team, originally the radio play-by-play voice of the club, but following the, the retirement of the legendary Ralph Lawler, uh, you can now catch him as the lead announcer on Clippers telecast. It's the one and only Brian Seaman. Brian, always good to uh, get a chance to visit with you. And uh, I'm happy to say that fame has not spoiled you at all. Oh, yeah, because there is none to be had. <laughs> but it's always great to talk to you, Wheels. I miss you, uh, but I'm glad to have this opportunity to chat. I miss our pregame chats. I miss just traveling in general, but uh, this is this will suffice for sure. Now, uh, you've had a chance to do it for a while now, but how have you enjoyed the move over to television? Obviously, a different uh, dynamic than doing uh, the wonderful job that you did on radio, but a, little, a few more things to consider on the television side. How have you enjoyed the move? I've, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, as you know, radio is is the purest form of what we do. It is, as they say, a blank canvas, and we can kind of go wherever we want and talk about whatever we want on television. Uh, it is different because there are reads, there are graphics, you know, there are replays, all of which I enjoy. You know, I enjoy the whole part of it. The, the really fun part of it is there's a group of people. I mean, it's a real team. You know, on radio, it's yourself. It's maybe your producer. And uh, for you, you had an analyst for a lot of years. I did not. I went solo. So this is the first time working with like a big production. And and that's probably one of my favorite things about it is I've really enjoyed working with a producer, a director and, you know, collaborating with a sideline reporter or finding a story or something develops during the game. And, you know, we can kind of follow it from there. But I've really enjoyed it. I'm lucky to be here. And and, uh, again, despite all the craziness that has happened, we're still having some fun. Yeah, I want to talk about that uh, in a moment, but you got to call the Clippers 40th win of the season last night. They beat the Timberwolves at uh, Staples. Uh, they're sitting currently in the third spot in the West and not out of the realm of possibility that they could still pass up Phoenix for second or even Utah for the top spot. So how would you evaluate things with the team with a little less than a month uh, remaining in the regular season? If you told me we would have the third seed and be healthy for the playoffs, I would take it in a heartbeat. I think the number one seed is going to be tough. We do not have the tiebreaker with Utah. We do have it, excuse me, we do have it with Phoenix and we still have another game to play. So we could in theory, make life more challenging for Phoenix, but uh, I love the way they're playing right now is post all-star break. Defense has really gone up Def- offense was always very good. I mean, they are going to go down as from a high volume standpoint, the greatest three point shooting team of all time in terms of uh, efficiency and how many they are taking. So they are rounding into form. Kawhi Leonard has been terrific. Paul George in kind of a, a redemption tour for him has been phenomenal. And and the cast of 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 role players that are, are surrounding those guys are phenomenal. I really think the front office has just hit home run after home run, maybe a couple of doubles here and there. But I love where the Clippers are at. Knock on wood, they can get healthy and stay healthy. I think they're going to be a real problem in the Western Conference. Uh, Ty Lue stepped in as head coach, taking over for Doc Rivers. Uh, have you seen any 
noticeable differences in the way the uh, team handles its business with uh, with tie-in control. A little bit of differences, but uh, the differences are not a slight at Doc. Doc is a guy that uh, I love uh, and miss, and I'm so grateful for the time that he was with the Clippers. So everybody has a different way of doing it. I think Ty really does enjoy talking analytics with the analytics department and will make decisions based off of that. I think as long as it passes his eye test as well, he's not afraid to mix up lineups on the fly. Um, And, you know, I think there's, there's just, a different vibe in the locker room. There are different people there too. You know, there's not some of the same faces that the Clippers have had that maybe had to, to be dealt with is not the right word, but just guys, it's just a different vibe in that locker room. And I think that helps Ty. And I think he's part of creating that different vibe. So any attribute for Ty is not a slight at Doc in any way, but Ty has been terrific. And, you know, he's got this offense as the greatest offense in NBA history, statistically speaking. And um, he's just he's just been a fun guy to deal with. He's just a very nice person. We mentioned the game last night and uh, not without some conditions, I'm sure. But it was the first game that he had some fans back in the stands at Staples, which uh, I'm guessing had to be uh, just a joy in and of itself. But uh, but but what what uh, has what have things been like trying to get back to this point? of uh, having fans back in the building. And uh, I noticed uh, I was reading up on, you can't bring food in the seats. I mean, there's certain, there's certain things that, you know, the typical enjoyment of going to an event, uh, you still have to make some, um, some, some allowances maybe that you wouldn't have had uh, to do in the past, but uh, again, nice to see people in the seats, but, uh, but, but what maybe will it be like going forward? And, and is there, is there a cap on the number of people that can be in the stands attendance wise? For now, there is a cap. I think it's capped at around 3,000 because I think in closed arenas, you can only have so many people in there, and that includes the staff, includes the players and that stuff. So, yeah, the typical enjoyments of maybe having a beer and a hot dog, uh, that's not going to happen, at least not in your seat. There are designated eating areas, but for now, the enjoyment is just being out and watching your favorite team play, and there were – I think around 2,000 fans last night. It was so great to see them. It just was – I was uh, oddly emotional all day, just kind of scatterbrained and, and nervous with butterflies, just could not wait to see them walking through and their faces as they got and saw the floor. I mean, this is the first time they've seen that team in over 400 days in person. So it was a special day. And, you know, if you look at the schedule, the Clippers have been up against it. They've been very busy back-to-backs on the road. And going up against Minnesota before playing a very good Portland team could have been a trap game. But because the fans were there, I thought the Clippers had great energy because of the fans. And it was a very special night. I remember coming on the air saying, look, I don't know who's going to win, but we're all winners tonight because we're all back together. It was like a family reunion. You know that uh, with all your years with the Blazers sitting up there in the crowd, you see the same faces over and over again. And you get to know these people. and, And I love it. Now, uh, throughout the league, no team broadcasters, of course, are traveling uh, for road games with the COVID concerns. Uh, so um, how has that changed the way that you call a game? Well, I feel like we're running at 50%, to be honest, is, uh, you know, you you like to talk to players. I like to talk to players and just get background information. Hey, you played for this coach or you played in this city. What was your favorite place to eat? What did you do? You get a lot of non-basketball stories. That's always kind of the stuff that you and I are are kind of hunting for. I haven't had an in-person conversation uh, with a player since March of 2020. We were in Houston. That was the last game that we did before everything shut down. So I don't have any of those background stories. I can't follow up uh, with a player from a story of many years ago and say, hey, what happened here? Or how has this changed? And 
So that's the tough part. And, and I, I kind of uh, value being a storyteller for those that don't have that access. I have the same access as a as somebody that has league pass. I mean, I, honestly, I, I don't have any different uh, kind of connections. I do get to talk to Ty Lue before every ball game and, and interview him. And I do get some stuff from there. But it's not the same. You know, you guys had Nicholas Batum for so many years. I would love to sit down for 20 minutes with him and pick his brain as one of the nicest guys. He's got a terrific backstory and stuff that doesn't necessarily involve basketball. So how is it affected? That's tough. It's hard. And I feel like we're working at, I don't know if I can quantify it. I'll say it again, 50%, you know, calling games remotely, you get used to it and you understand that the alternative is not doing games. And so you're more than happy to do it and kind of fight through it. You know, we're, we're at the Liberty, at, I guess, at times of, uh, you know, how fast is the internet in that? Because that is our scoreboard. That is what we are looking at that keeps the stats. And so if this, this, the internet is slow and doesn't update right away, you're kind of out on a limb a little bit. So there are many challenges, probably 10 times as many challenges for the guys that work in the truck, but we're playing basketball and that's all that matters. And we're all trying to stay healthy and so far so good. So to go around the corner, uh, to go around the block, to go next door. I mean, that that's kind of it in a nutshell. So where are you at when, uh, when a road game is being played, where do you call that from? So I still go at Staples center. So, and this was something that I learned last year. So all the games are broadcast to the arenas. So, and then if you were going to go somewhere else, like we did a couple of games from the Fox studios, it would go from Orlando to Secaucus to Staples Center and then to our Fox studios. Now we just go straight to Staples Center and we're doing it in like a little makeshift studio. Uh, it's fine. You know, that's what it, it's fine. Um, there's three of us in the, in the, in the little trailer. It's me, uh, my analyst, who is either Mike Fratello or Jim Jackson, former Blazer. And then our stage manager that kind of keeps everything in line and make sure that we're all in the places that we need to be. But it is on a game day, on a road game day, I see maybe four people. That's about it. So you mentioned uh, your two analysts. So you get the player's perspective from, from Jim and the coaching perspective, obviously, from, uh, from the czar. Uh, how is our, our former Blazer? Uh, I, I, we see him plenty on, on the networks and so forth. So he's, uh, he's moving into something that I, I felt he would be ideally suited for being into broadcasting, but sometimes you see him in the studio. In your case, he's there as an analyst. Uh, and it seems like from the games I've seen, it seems like you guys have a very good, uh, very good uh, repartee between each other. Well, it's a credit to him. He just came in and he's just a very low maintenance, no ego guy. And when you look at his playing career, and I know he bounced around a lot, but he was a very good basketball player. Like he's in the college basketball hall of fame at, at Ohio state. He was a top pick in the 92 draft. And I remember it's funny. So my analyst last year, as you know, was Chauncey Billups. Chauncey is now a an assistant coach for the Clippers. So we were watching some of the playoff games in the bubble, waiting for our game to start. And one of the games was done by Jim Jackson. And we both look at each other and like, man, this guy is so good. And Chauncey's like, yeah, I know him. He's he's really and he's a great dude too. Well, lo and behold, like three months later. Uh, he, we find out that he would be interested in doing Clipper games. And so we've been so blessed with those two guys that we have, but Jim is such a fun deal, fun guy to deal with. And, uh, it was, this is a good insight, you know, so you've been around a lot of athletes, you know, there was a time when Jim was making fun of his career and I kind of laughed along with it, just kind of to go along with it. And I remember texting him after the game and said, look, man, 
I was laughing at your jokes, but you need to know that I have the utmost respect for your career and I would never make fun of it. And he, he immediately fires back, make fun of it all. I'm an open book. Let's have some fun with this. So the fact that he played for all the teams that he did, you know, he's thankful for that. You know, he says, I met so many great people that are friends now. Uh, it, it tells you a lot about him as a person. And so I was impressed immediately with that. And we've had a lot of fun. It's the Blazers and Clippers tomorrow night uh, from Moda Centers. The Blazers come back home. In fact, if the uh, regular season were in today, the Blazers and Clippers would be playing each other in the first round of the playoffs. So this is a potential first round playoff preview. Uh, we're speaking to the television voice of the Clippers, Brian Seaman, on today's edition of the uh, Believe in Blazers podcast. So this Clippers team, we know with uh, Steve Ballmer as uh, the owner, that he's promising big things, and one of them is a new arena. Uh, in Inglewood, where are we at with uh, with that? And uh, when do you anticipate uh, the first home game to be played there? I think the first home game anticipation would be 2024. Does that sound about right to build an arena? And they are hoping to have shovels in the dirt later this summer. So wow. there was a lot of legal. I mean, th this tells you, and, and Brian and your listeners all certainly know the league. I mean, you know, who he replaced as owner. Like, I don't even like to say his name on a microphone. Yeah. I don't even know, <laughs> so, but this, this tells you everything you need to know. So there was some legal ramifications of building an arena in Inglewood because of the, the, the great Western forum is there. I'm not sure if it's called the great, it's just called the forum now. And it's owned by MSG. And apparently in the contract MSG has with, with Inglewood says you can't have another arena there or something to that effect. Well, the Clippers bought some land. They talked to Inglewood. They said, yep, you can buy this uh, land and you can build an arena. They went through all the legal legal stuff. And then MSG jumps in and says, no, 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 man. We got the forum here. We're not going to allow this. We're going to tie you up in paperwork with lawsuits if this is the case. So what did Steve Ballmer do? He bought the forum. Like, all right, problem solved. And he's not willy-nilly with his money. I don't want to make it sound like right. he's, you know, that kind of guy. But he's like, listen, I'm hell-bent on building our own house and I'm going to get it done. So he buys the forum, keeps everybody there employed, kept them employed during the pandemic. This is the kind of guy that he is. He's a phenomenal dude. Uh, and I just like literally night and day from what the previous ownership was to where we are now. So hopefully uh, shovels in the dirt in August and, and then that maybe uh, we're rolling out to play in 2024. I love watching, uh, watching Clipper games just to get the, uh, you know, the, the cutaway reaction of uh, Steve, uh, who's, who's as good a fan as probably the Clippers have uh, uh, in terms of even longtime fans probably can't match his enthusiasm. And uh, I think it's great. I mean, I think, you know, you, you, you hear you in the past, you probably thought of an owner of a team as kind of the, you know, the, uh, the, the kind of the guy that doesn't uh, show any emotion, guy that uh, comes in with the, you know, classy uh, business attire and, uh, you know, conducts himself and this a professional gentlemanly way at all times and so forth. And I know Steve Bomber is very capable of doing that, but I know he's also capable of being uh, the kind of guy I'd love to have a beer with. And so I, I think it's great. He's great for the sport. He's great to, for, uh, for Los Angeles. And I knew that an owner like that would uh, bring the Clippers to a position of uh, being able to compete favorably with the Lakers. And that's not an easy thing to do as we know. No, he's, he's just awesome. And, and, you know, I remember, uh, it would have been June of 2014. He was not an owner yet. He was a prospective owner. Came in and spoke to a lot of uh, the employees. I was there. And he said he loved challenges. And in my mind, I'm like, you've, you've got the biggest one in sports. So you've got to build a, an organization that has accomplished nothing. Okay. And you've got to find a, some way somehow to compete with the Lakers. And 
if you as long as you win titles, I think you you take away some of that Lakers stuff. But the Clippers haven't done that yet. It will not be a Clipper town in my lifetime, and I don't think that's what the goal is. The goal is to win titles. And as far as him sitting there and, and getting enthused about it, you know, it's funny. I think a lot of owners, our previous one, like to sit center court to be seen and be looking important. I truly believe, and I've never asked him. Uh, that Steve wants to be, he sits there on the baseline. So in a full non-pandemic world, he sits there on the baseline. It, it's, it, I think strictly that he can just be as close to the action as possible. I think that's a big of a basketball junkie he is. And I mean, I tell you what, he is a, he is awesome. And I feel so blessed that he is the owner for sure. So for the team, things, as we know, could not have ended in a more frustrating way than uh, they did in the uh, playoffs in the bubble. Uh, have the players talked at all about, that memory being any kind of a motivating factor for this postseason to come, or have they put that out of their minds? I think by now they've put it out of their minds. There were some players that uh, Pat Beverly won, uh, who I love. Uh, Pat says somebody asked him in September, uh, wait, excuse me, it would have been December, beg your pardon, said, hey, how long did it take you to get over losing game seven or losing that Denver series? And he took a good eight seconds to answer, and he said, I haven't. So I think Pat is a guy that loves that motivation. I think guys like Paul George and Kawhi moved on. Um, but I think Paul does remember a little bit of it. So they've used that as motivation a little bit to start this season. Uh, but no matter what success they have here, let's say they win the rest of their games and they're the number one seed in the West. It doesn't matter. They've got to win in the playoffs, and they know that. Yeah, and and these two guys, the, the leaders of the team, are not easy to read emotionally, at least uh, from what I can tell, and you may know better, but – do you feel that Kawhi and, and, and Paul George have anything to prove come playoff time? Kawhi, no. Uh, I think Kawhi just wants to win at all times. I think he's very – I know he gets joked about that. I think he's very robotic that way. He's got one mindset, and that is to win. I think Paul George does have something to prove. Now, people have quickly forgotten how good he was in Indiana in the playoffs, going toe-to-toe with LeBron when he was with the Pacers and LeBron was with the Heat. Um but I would like to see, you know, the narrative of Paul will disappear if he has success in the playoffs and the Clippers win it all. It only takes one. And I think I think this is going to be his best shot at it. And I'm I'm obviously I'm going to be uh, very obvious. I'm, I'm rooting for him uh, to have success. But I think once he has that success, I think I think people will look at Paul George in a different light than they have over the last couple of years. There were moves around the trade deadline that certainly uh, garnered more uh uh, publicity and uh, maybe were thought to be more spectacular, but uh, I'm not sure that for what was needed and for what the intent was that there was a more effective acquisition than uh, the Clippers getting Rajon Rondo. And we know what he does come playoff time. And we know what he does with a veteran team. And I know that uh, even in the game so far, his teammates are already talking about uh, how much uh, more space they see on the floor when he's out there, how much uh, uh, of a, of a wizard he is in terms of just his, his, uh, his, his mind for basketball and what he's able to accomplish and, and how helpful he is even when he's not in the game in terms of coaching guys from the bench and so forth. So, uh, so playoff Rondo, uh, I would think, would be a very big thing for this Clippers team and, and could potentially be a, uh, an X factor for what they accomplish in the postseason. You know, I, I was mildly concerned when they traded Lou only because Lou had been here for a, a couple of years and really helped reset the culture for the Clippers. And, and I, by all the stories I was told, he was a, a locker room leader in a positive way. He was a truth teller. But my wonder is if his, his leadership didn't have a, its limits, like if it hadn't reached its ceiling. And then we know that Rondo can lead men. You know, he has. He's led some of the 
the grouchiest players in the league from Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. And I think when Rondo came in, and I think his role will be much less than what Luz was. I think he'll probably play 15 to 20 minutes given, given the opportunity. But I think when he's just in uniform in that locker room, things are different. And I think that, you know, for the leadership that Kawhi has taken on this year, I think Rondo is the biggest voice that they need. And they need that guy that can help organize. I, it was an under-the-radar pickup, I think. People looked at Rondo being 35. But, boy, in, in the short time that he's played here with us, he's he's made a huge difference. The numbers back it up. And, and it's funny, I'll bring him up again. But he and Nicholas Batum, when they are on the floor together, it's a short sample size but the numbers are massively in favor of the Clippers. So that'll be an interesting little tandem to see in the playoffs. Two super smart guys that have been around the block a few times. I'll close with you with uh, some NBA thoughts here. Uh, the Lakers, obviously the defending champs, uh, but have they been rendered a bit more mortal with the key injuries that they've been dealing with? They, they probably have, and we've forgotten just how great LeBron and Anthony Davis are. Their chain of success this year is going to be different, and I'll just use the Clippers here. The Clippers are trying to physically build up and then they to see if they can cross that mental border of winning a title. The Lakers group knows that they can do that. Now they're going backwards. Can we get it right physically? Can we get healthy? And I think if they get LeBron and Anthony Davis at any seed, they don't care. You tell those guys they're going to be healthy through the playoffs – they are going to be the team to beat, understandably so. They've got a different look than they did last year. I like their defense being long uh, last year. It's not the same this year. That said, it leads the league in, in defensive efficiency. They will be a problem in the Western Conference. Uh, based on the seeding as is it right now, it doesn't appear that if the Lakers and Clippers were to win their first two rounds, that they would meet in the conference finals. It seems like it could potentially be a second round matchup. It doesn't matter for the Clippers. They've got to figure out a way to get it done. Who they play in the second doesn't matter. They got to figure out how to win these games and, and, and end this narrative Really for me, selfishly, I'm just thinking of me, Brian. I'd like to, to see what this would be all about. I've been around the block with this team, and I would love nothing more than to call them world champs. Now, uh, we know that Utah and Phoenix have been terrific regular season stories to this point in time, and, uh, and everybody that has uh, assumed they would falter, uh, they haven't. They continue to be up uh, where they've been all year, uh, near the top of the standings in the Western Conference. But once the playoffs begin, do you think that they will truly be title contenders? That's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll point out two figures that I love on both sides. I don't feel comfortable going up against Quinn Snyder. I just think he's one of the great minds that can just find every nook and cranny. Uh, I put him on the elite list of coaches. The other guy for Phoenix, let me tell you something, and I, I saw it firsthand. When Chris Paul is on the floor, that team always has a chance to win, whether it's the playoffs, whether it's a regular season game, whether you're out four starters. So those guys scare me. Are they – are they title contenders? I don't know. The Phoenix situation with the lack of experience in the postseason may be an issue, but they've been so good all year. Meanwhile, for Utah, do they have enough star power to get over the hump of a team like the Lakers, potentially the Clippers, if they were to both meet in the conference finals? Uh, they're clever enough to get it done. They play the right way, uh, but we shall see. And I look forward to it, but I do think the West is open and I think a team could surprise somebody. I hope not. I hope it's not a surprise. I hope it's the Clippers coming out of the West. Some people think the East is uh, potentially uh, open as well. Uh, who do you like to come out of that conference? Well, the East is interesting, isn't it? Because Philadelphia has been steady all year long. Uh, I love Doc Rivers. I'll be rooting for him. 
the Nets are obviously just so loaded and, and, and at four positions, you know, Joe Harris doesn't get enough love, but he's one of the most elite shooters in the country, in the world. Um, but here's the issue. They just haven't played enough together. And that, that was the problem last year for the Clippers that they just didn't have the continuity on the floor. So will James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving feel comfortable when the games get uncomfortable is the biggest question And I think, you know, maybe the inexperience of Steve Nash on the sidelines could be an issue. But if you're going to tell me talent trumps everything, those guys will be in the finals or certainly the conference finals. It's crazy how we overlook Milwaukee, but I just don't feel at this point, I've not been overwhelmed with what they've done in the regular season. And and I I will leave it open as saying they took a step back so that they could take a few steps forward in the playoffs. And, And Mike Budenholzer does a great job over there. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were making some noise out East, but I still think it's Philly and Brooklyn. All right, my friend, we've kept you long enough. Thank you for your time on an off day to help us put this Monday podcast together. I know you don't have to worry about getting on a plane to come to Portland. Although that would be a fun trip in the past anyway. And, and it's a beautiful day here. We'd love to entertain you in Portland, but such is not the case these days with our COVID existence in the NBA, but uh, hopefully it will be again sometime soon, but always wonderful talking with you. You're a great friend, a great broadcaster, and uh, I hope we can do this again real soon. Wheels, call me anytime. I miss you, buddy. Ryan Seaman, the television voice of the Los Angeles Clippers, the Blazers opponent tomorrow night at Moda Center. That is our Believe in Blazers podcast for today. We'll be back with you again Wednesday and Friday as the week continues, and we'll have a full recap of that Clippers matchup when we join you again on Wednesday. Until then, enjoy the rest of this Monday afternoon. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.